I grew up in a family that celebrated Christmas, and by that I mean really celebrated Christmas. We did the whole gig, and we did it big. We, we did the decorations, the family, the food, the movies, the music, the Santa, and of course, the exchanging of gifts. And it was by far, growing up, my favorite holiday. It was my favorite time of the year. But with all of the celebrating of Christmas that we did, that I did, I never got the point as a kid. I mean, I, I totally missed it. It was lost on me. And as it turns out, I, I really wasn't alone. In fact, all you have to do is take a quick glance back at the very first Christmas and we find the same exact thing. The majority of people, the vast majority of people, totally missed it. They didn't get it. Look at how the Bible says it in John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. It says, He, speaking of Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was literally made through him, the world didn't even recognize him. He came to that which was his own, his creation, but his own did not receive him. It's crazy. They missed it. Now, there are lots of reasons that people miss the whole point of Christmas. And I really appreciate Tim Elmore in the last couple of weekends identified too. He talked about how fear caused people to miss that first Christmas and it's causing people to miss Christmas in this generation. He talked about how disappointment caused people to miss Christmas in that first time it was celebrated and how it's still going on that way today. But I'm going to address this weekend a reason that I think is unbelievably affecting each and every one of us. Many people miss Christmas in the first celebration of it because of indifference, just simple indifference. They weren't interested. You see, they had enough to worry about in their own lives to be concerned about some seemingly insignificant poor woman who was having what seemed to be an illegitimate baby so insignificant that this baby was born in a barn, put in an animal feeding trough that we now glorify as a manger. And it was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, they weren't interested in that. It meant nothing to them. They were indifferent. Many, in fact, the vast majority, when Jesus first came, missed it because they just weren't concerned. They weren't concerned for themselves. They weren't concerned for the world. They, they weren't looking for outside help. If they were concerned, if they were looking, they wouldn't have missed it. Because, you see, it was clearly told that God was going to send 
his Messiah, and this Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. God gave plenty of warning. All they had to do is, you know, be watching, be concerned enough to look, but they weren't, they didn't, and they missed it. To which you might go, yeah, but, you know, he told them about five, seven hundred years beforehand, so, I mean, how long are they supposed to look? Well, it wasn't just in the prophecy in Micah 5.2 that he told them, but he also sent every sign they needed to find Jesus in Bethlehem when he came. I mean, the magi, the wise men from the east, were forever away, but because they were concerned and because they were looking, God led them clearly to this newly born king. But those who were right there, those who claimed to be the people of God, those who claimed to believe the prophecies of God, totally missed it because over time they allowed themselves to become indifferent, uninterested, unconcerned. They stopped looking. If they had just looked, they would have found. Many in that first Christmas missed it because they, if truth be told, just weren't open to it. They weren't willing to embrace this concept that isn't normal. I mean, come on. We get the fact, maybe, that if there's this great big God up there with all this power that he could create this world, but really, he's going to be born as a baby and born as a baby to a nobody in nobody'sville, laid in a feeding trough? Come on. They weren't open to the fact that God doesn't work like we do. They weren't willing to embrace the concept. You see, they already had their religion. They already had their beliefs. They had already been formed. And if it was good enough for dad and mom, and it was good enough for grandma and grandpa, then it was good enough for them. They weren't open. They weren't willing. And this explains why even in the wake of miracle after miracle after miracle, they still rejected this Jesus because they just weren't open to him in spite of what they said. They were indifferent. They didn't care about him. They didn't want him. And this was true, not just for the blatant unbelievers of the day, you know, the the pagans who are supposed to dismiss the work of God, but this was true of those who claimed to be the most committed to God. Spent their life studying his scriptures, spent their life supposedly worshiping him, and yet they totally missed it when he came. When you look at the first story of Christmas, only a handful of people experienced it. Just a handful. And and they were generally the least likely. These were the invisible people of the world. The few that did experience it, they were the ones that seemed to be least interesting, unimportant, not worthy of notice. Who was Mary? A nobody in the eyes of mankind. Who was Joseph? Just another laborer. A dime a dozen in the view of the world. Shepherds dismissed by anybody of importance. And then there were two people who were lost to most of the world. Very few people knew about them. They had lived their entire life in worship of God, in the temple of God at the time. And now they were ancient old. A man named Simeon and Anna. But they had never allowed themselves to get indifferent. They had never allowed themselves to become unconcerned. They had never stopped looking. And because they never stopped looking, as God promised, they found. They experienced that first Christmas because they weren't indifferent. Here's what we have to understand. 
The same that was true in that day is true in this day. The majority of people, and that includes us, miss Christmas. Now that doesn't mean they don't celebrate it. Doesn't mean they don't put up trees and help the economy by buying presents. It just means they miss the point. Jesus, he's the only point. And what I want to do this weekend is I want to give you an example. It's kind of a left field example, but it's an example that helps serve up this point. And I hope it's an example that will challenge you like it's challenged me not to miss Christmas as you celebrate it. The example comes from a word that we all know. It's the shortened word for Christmas, the abbreviated word for Christmas. You know what it is. What is it? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's just a… I didn't even know that was a word for Christmas, but good. I'm always glad to learn new things. I think we're talking about Xmas. The shortened word for Christmas is Xmas. Now, some of you refuse to say that just now. I mean, it turns your stomach to hear that word. You really get fried when you hear that word because it absolutely discounts everything of value to you. You, you see it as, as Xing out the very thing Christmas is about, Christ. So it's about getting rid of Jesus from Christmas, and it really turns your stomach. And I get that, but the truth is that some people know that the Greek word for Christ is Christos, and transliterated, the letter is X. And X actually became a symbol for Christianity in the early days of following Christ. And X actually became a marking symbol for the secret meeting places for Christians. Christians would use it to delineate Christ because it represented Christ. And so some people use Xmas because they know it's the same thing as saying Christ. Not a lot of people do because X means something different in our world. But So you have to be careful about getting too upset at people when you don't understand how they see things and what they understand. But I believe, to pursue the illustration, that Xmas is the perfect word for Christmas in our culture. I believe Xmas as we define it today, X as we define it today, not as it was defined in Greek, but I, I believe X is a fitting replacement for Christ in our day and age because of how we celebrate Christmas in our culture. And let me just kind of illustrate by taking the meaning of the word X. How many of you took algebra in high school? Great. How many of you loved algebra in high school? How many of you absolutely hate people like those that just raised their hand? <laughs> Great. I just pretended to like them so I could cheat in high school off of them, but really didn't like them at all. But in, in algebra, we know X stands for the unknown variable. It's the variable, the unknown quantity. It's the unknown. X represents the unknown. Well, there's an accurate description for Christmas in our world today. In, in the way we celebrate Christmas today, Christ is the great unknown. For many, they want the holiday. They want the traditions. They even want, some of them, the values that come with the holiday. You know, this whole love thing and this whole generosity thing. 
They just don't want him. Let's get rid of him. But then there are others who don't mind him. In fact, they'll even join the fight to have his name left in the celebration. That's not a holiday tree. That's a Christmas tree. And the war goes on. And they really fight for it. But, but even though they don't mind him, they don't know him. They, they don't know his truth. They don't know what he really came for. They want to leave him in a manger. They don't want to understand what he really came for. And they don't understand the impact he can have in their lives. You see, for most in our world, those who celebrate Christmas and those who don't, those who celebrate the name Jesus and those who don't, for most, he's a symbol more than a person. For most, he's the figurehead of just one more religion, for good or for bad in this world, rather than what he really is, a personal and loving God whom we can know. And this is sad that he is unknown because the greatest gift God has ever given to us is the gift of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. In fact, it's what Christmas is all about, that that which we don't have and that which we need most profoundly has been given to us, the gift of knowing Jesus. We can have everything else in the world and still lose our soul and have nothing, but if we lose everything else in the world and have him, we have everything. And Christmas, which is so unknown to most people, is about that great gift. We can know Jesus. I like how Paul the Apostle said it in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. He says, what, whatever was to my profit in the past, I now consider a simple write-off, a simple loss for the sake of Christ. And you need to know for him what was a profit was prosperity, power, position, popularity, and he had it all. And he says, that used to be what I lived for, that used to be what I longed for, that used to be what I dreamed of, but now that's become a simple thing to write off and not care about for the sake of Christ. He says, what is more? I consider all of those things I used to treasure a simple loss compared to now the surpassing greatness of what I treasure, knowing Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have willingly lost all things. I've given up everything I used to treasure so that I can have the one great treasure, Him. I consider all my previous treasures rubbish that I may know, gain Christ, and be found in Him. Because, you see, life's not found in having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. No matter how hard I work at being good, I'm still bad. No matter how much I try to find fulfillment, I'm still empty. But I'm knowing Him through faith, which gives me righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. He found his life in knowing Jesus, the great gift. And isn't it sad that as we celebrate Christmas and sing the songs that more people than not still don't really know him? He's unknown. Can you relate to Paul in Philippians 3, 7? I'm just kind of curious. Everything that used to be of profit is meaningless to me, and now knowing him is all that matters. I mean, now be honest, because I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to, you know, kind of do it publicly. Be honest with yourself. Is knowing Christ really the greatest value of your life? Or is it just another value? What are you willing to invest in knowing him if it's the 
if he's the greatest value, you're probably willing to invest all that you used to treasure in knowing him. And yet, there aren't a lot of people doing that like Paul. So are you willing to invest a little or a lot, a piece of yourself or all of yourself? If we're really honest, really honest, I think most of us would have to say, we tip our hat to Jesus, but we don't give him our lives. And the reason is because he's really unknown to us. If we really knew who he was, what he was, the only source for life and hope, we wouldn't miss Christmas. But we've become a bit indifferent. X has another meaning in our culture. X also, if we move from mathematics to English and grammar, is an abbreviation. In this case in particular, it's an abbreviation. And when we abbreviate, what are we doing? We're leaving something out. That's what an abbreviation is. In this case, we're leaving Christ out and we're putting in X. It's an abbreviation. We're leaving something out. There's no malice. There's no negative intent. We're just trying to make things simpler. Well, you know, that's a valid description of how most people celebrate Christmas, isn't it? They just kind of leave Jesus out. No malice, no intent. Makes life a little bit simpler maybe at first. We leave them out. And we got the tree, got the presents, but very often Jesus isn't at the center. We just leave them out. I think it's the, it's the elephant in the room at Christmas time. I mean, think about it. It's his birthday, but he's not invited. For, for many, and I'm, being as, I'm trying to be as honest as I can be, for many, Christmas is just a great excuse for a day off from work or school. That's the most important thing. Not a time to celebrate the greatest story of all time, the one we need most. For many, it's a great time for the economy. I mean, that's all you hear about, isn't it? You know, how are stores doing? And I, if you're a retailer, I understand, you know, that maybe 40% of your, your yearly take comes in the last quarter. I understand how life works, but isn't it sad when Christmas becomes about consumption, the very thing Jesus came to cure? It's just crazy. For many, Christmas has become a great time for family and food, and it is a great time for family and food. But isn't it sad that we sit around with family and food, with all the brokenness going on in our family and in the world, and we don't speak of the one thing that can heal the brokenness, Jesus? Craziness. We're just leaving them out for convenience, for simplicity, so that we don't have to defend ourselves. It's, it's a great time for presents, this thing we call Christmas, but it's interesting. Presents for ourselves, not presents for Him. It's weird. I mean, I'm a pastor, and every year we, we really want to do something in the name of Jesus to impact the world at Christmas time, and it's a hard sale to get people to give to Jesus at Christmas. It's his birthday. For most people, Jesus is either totally left out or just an afterthought. And it's sad because we'll never experience life in its fullness until he's at the center. You want an explanation for why our world is so messed up in such unbelievable, unthinkable, unimaginable devastation and darkness can take place in this world? It's because this is not the world God 
created. This is the world we're creating. We've decided to put him at best at the periphery or off the map entirely, and we're building the world that we have the capability of building, and it's not working. But Jesus came so he could be back at the center. But the only way we can celebrate Christmas is by having him at the center. But we don't. He needs to be supreme. Once again, look at how Paul the Apostle said it in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 18. He says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. When Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning God created, Jesus is that God. He created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible things, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy, that he might be at the center. You know what Christmas is about? Christmas is about giving us another shot at living in the world he created instead of the world we've been creating. A world with him at the center. And yet we sing the songs and we celebrate the day and we do all the stuff, but he's not at the center. Think about this. He's the source of genuine love, and yet we leave him out of our relationships until we're in crisis. He's the source for purpose and for provision in life, but we live him out of our vocation and financial pursuits until we're in crisis. He's the source for truth and values, but we leave him out of education and training. Think about this. We teach a lot about people who changed the world a little. We teach a lot about these people. This is why we know about Socrates changed the world a little. Plato changed the world a little. Caesar changed the world a little. George Washington changed the world a little. Lincoln, we know about him because Steven Spielberg just made a movie about him. I mean, we, we teach a lot about people who changed the world a little. But we refuse to teach even a little about the one who changed the world more than any other person in history. Jesus, the one who, when he's at the center, builds the right kind of world, and when he's not, the world collapses around him. It is craziness. He is the source for peace and joy. It's what he came to bring us. It's what the angels sang to the shepherds at the birth of Jesus. But we don't experience peace and joy because though we sing about him and them, we don't experience him or them because he's not the center. Do you realize that in the midst of the storm with him at the center, there can be peace and comfort? But in the midst of peace and comfort with him out of the picture, we have neither. He's the source of life, but we seek to do life without him. We miss Christmas. We miss life. Xmas is the perfect description of this holiday. There's one last meaning I'll mention in our culture from the letter X that I think gives appropriate description to how we live our lives and celebrate this holiday. X kind of represents cancellation. You know, if you're wanting to forgive a debt or cancel a debt, what do you do? You, 
you know, X marks the spot. And, and when you're canceling something, what, what are you doing? You're getting rid of it. You're doing away with it. And this is exactly what so many are doing with Christ. Getting rid of them. And by the way, abbreviating something has no malice or intent, no forethought. You're just leaving something out. But getting rid of something takes thought and intentionality. And there are a lot of people with great intentionality for very self-consuming reasons who are just trying to get rid of Jesus. He's an inconvenient truth in their lives. And it was the same in the first Christmas story. I mean, let me just kind of play it out for you. Pilate, the Roman governor, did away with Jesus to keep his popularity, his power, and his position. He didn't think Jesus was guilty, but he was willing to have him beaten to a pulp and nailed to a cross and killed so that he could keep his little position and his little power, which meant nothing in the scheme of things. He got rid of Jesus to keep his power. The Sadducees, which were a part of the Jewish religious leadership, didn't even believe in the supernatural or the resurrection, but they believed big time in business. The Sadducees did away with Jesus for business reasons. He wasn't very good for their business. He kind of got in the way of that. And so they got rid of him for business reasons. The Pharisees, who were extremely religious, believed in the supernatural big time, but locked the supernatural God into their views, into their traditions, did away with Jesus for religious reasons. He didn't fit their traditions. He didn't fit the way they liked to live their lives, and so they got rid of him. And the multitudes, well, they did away with him for selfish reasons. You see, they were good at worshiping him as long as he did what they wanted. But they wanted to be delivered from Rome. He had all this power. Deliver us from Rome. And when he wouldn't do it, they went from worshiping him to screaming crucify him. Why? Because they didn't want him to be their God. They wanted him to be their slave. They wanted him to be their genie in the bottle to do what they wish. And isn't that going on a lot today where we get ticked off at God and we dismiss him because he's not doing with this world what we would do with this world. You see, this Christmas is just like that first Christmas. The same things are happening today. People are getting rid of Jesus for reasons of convenience to their own lives. And it's sad because without him, we have no way to God. Without him, we'll never have a truth that we can count on. Without him, we'll never experience life. Look at how Jesus said it in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. When we miss Jesus, we miss everything. I tell you, I, I, you're probably getting a sense of this. I can... I can retain a little bit of anger over this issue. But it's not anger at you people. It's anger at the concept. There is a solution for this messed up world. And most people are rejecting the solution. Here's the truth. Most people miss Christ. Most people. And I believe that includes us. 
Most people miss Christ in Christmas, yes, but most people miss Christ in life. And sadly, this isn't a surprise. Jesus looked at a group like this in his day, and he said, this is how it's going to be. Most are going to miss it. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But the small gate and the narrow road are what leads to life, and only a few find it. Here's the important question this Christmas. Are you part of the many or the few? Are you on the broad road or the narrow road? Now, to the many, he's unknown. He's left out. He's done away with. And as a result, they miss everything he came to bring us on that first Christmas. And the many represents the majority. To the few, knowing him is the greatest value of their lives. They would be willing to lose and invest everything else to know him and consider their loss nothing but rubbish. I'm challenged by that personally. Aren't you? I want to be a part of the few, but do I value them that much? To the few, they have them at the center of their lives, at the center. He's the supreme. They rotate around him. They don't ask him to rotate around them. And this is the reason they have life, because they embrace him. They're experiencing fullness of life. They can even forgive in the midst of the unforgivable because they haven't missed him. Are you part of the many or the few? Those who missed the first Christmas had their chance. They had a moment in time. They had their chance. And because of indifference, they didn't seize it. They lost it. And the consequence is eternal. To this day, to this day, they regret it. But today, we have our chance. This is our Christmas. Don't miss it. Don't allow indifference, the lack of interest, the lack of concern, the lack of looking, the lack of willingness, the lack of openness, don't allow indifference to cause you to miss him, to miss all that he made possible for you. Let me read John 1, 10, and 11 again, only this time realize it's speaking of us. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That is not just a story of yesterday. That is a story of today. The only question is, is it your story too? Because there was a handful of people who did recognize him, who did embrace him. John 1.12 kind of gives us the solution, how we can take our now and our moment and do the right thing with it. It says, though most did not recognize him, yet to all who received him, those who seemed 
unworthy and were, those who seem unnoticed and were, those who seem invisible and were, yet when they received him, when they put their faith in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. The difference between the many and the few is that the few genuinely receive him. This is your moment. I want to encourage you, don't miss Christmas. Receive him. So before I end this service, I'm going to ask if you'd bow with me in a word of prayer, if you'd just really honor this moment. If you're already a Christ follower, you say you've already received him, then the question is, are you really living for him? Is knowing him really your greatest value and you're willing to invest all of yourself in advancing knowing him? He's really at the center of everything you do in life, in business, personally and professionally. He's really your reason. If not, maybe that's what you need to be talking to God about. But if you're here and you're saying, I've never received him. You might be religious or irreligious, but if you've never really received him, this is your moment. Take it. I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to take my words and make them yours. And in the quietness of your heart, just to say, God, I don't want to miss you anymore. I don't like the world that I've created. I've let you be unknown to me. I've left you out. And at times I've actually pushed you away. I've sinned against you. Though unforgivable, I believe you sent Jesus to forgive me. So I'm trusting Jesus. Your death on that cross for the forgiveness of my sin. And I'm trusting your resurrection for the new life I need. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, before I give a couple of concluding thoughts to, this, to the talk, I just really encourage you, please let me know. Uh, we put together a letter about next steps that you can take in your relationship with God, and we just need to know you prayed with me. And so in the program that you're handed when you come in, there's this connection card, and you just take it out and fill it out. And then on the bottom it says, Today I prayed to receive Jesus. And if you did, check that off. There are boxes at every exit. Just throw it in there. Or get it to us somehow. And we'll send you that letter about next steps. Let us know. And if you're watching church online, hit the what next button on your computer screen. We'll do the same thing for you. There was a guy who made an impact in my life early on um, who has since gone to be with the Lord. His name was Del, Fezenf- Del Fazenfeld Jr. And he wrote this thing about Christ and Christmas. Listen to his words. Christmas without Christ is like a football game without a football, an ice cream sundae without ice cream, an automobile with no engine. Christmas without Christ is like a house without people, a body without life, a marriage without love, and a future without hope. Christmas without Christ is like December 25th for most Americans. And the greatest tragedy of life is not what we suffer, but what we're missing. Don't miss Christmas. Put Jesus at the center. 
And I just encourage you, next weekend as we finish this series and celebrate Christmas weekend together, I, I hope you'll come and I hope you'll invite others because there's nothing more important than worshiping Him at Christmas. And just before I send you out of here, every Christmas my family and I, Roxanne and I and our family, um, craft up a card with the help of our team that just communicates our feelings about Jesus into your life and the sense of privilege we have of being a part of this church family. And you just need to know, there's no way we could mail one and get everyone, but we can hand one to each and every one of you as you leave. Our guest service team will be there to hand each and every one of you a card. I hope that all of you receive one. Um, because the great privilege of our life is being a part of your life and you being a part of ours. Uh, there are pictures of our family in here that kind of reveal what's going on in their lives, and we hope that you'll take this beyond Christmas and pray for us during the whole year. And then this year we did something different. On the bottom, we actually included our World, sponsor, our world Vision sponsored children in Zambia, the three kids we sponsor, because they are becoming a part of our life. We are investing ourselves in them, and we wanted you to see them. And for those of you who have sponsored children in Zambia, so proud of you, so thankful for you. And if you still want to, you can get on our website and do it as well. But it's a big deal for us. But this is how I want to end our service today, kind of go back to where we began. We're talking this year about our Christmas offering, and it's different than any year before. Um, in the years past, we've just collected for compassion and kind of distributed it, but this year, we're specifically raising our Christmas offering to build a hospital to save kids' lives in Zambia, to save their lives, because kids are needlessly dying in Zambia. The Newtown, Connecticut tragedy became an emotional experience for me when I finally connected the dots to my five-year-old grandson that he could have been in that room, that we could have been in that firehouse, that that could have been us, that people like us experienced it. It blew me away. And I've been so proud of so many of you at Northridge because I've seen you on Facebook and what's going on. You care so deeply about these people, these kids that were lost. You're so moved by it, rightly so. But I need you to know that two out of every ten children in Zambia die before the age of five not because of some crazy with a gun in their school, but because no one cares about providing the medical assistance that's so easily provided. We can't change Newton, Connecticut. But we can save the lives of five-year-olds and ten-year-olds in Zambia if we would just stop being so indifferent and say, I'm going to make a sacrifice by giving to Jesus this Christmas. And I believe if we do, we'll change the world. We'll make a difference. Take your grief and do something you can do with it. Let's make a difference in the lives of kids. If you did not get, if you're a part of Northridge, if you're not a part of Northridge, we'd never ask you for anything, but if you're a part of Northridge, if you didn't get one of these in your home, go to guest services. You can get one. There's an envelope in here you can give online. Go to northridgechurch.com, read the stories. Please be a part of Christmas this year. Let's save lives. So glad you are here. See you next weekend. Merry Christmas.
myself.